And tonight we have one or two more, I am not sure, uh, in our series on lesser known people in the Bible. We just started at the letter A and we have worked our way the whole way down to the letter T. Uh, we have U and we have Z are basically it. There are no W's in the uh, uh, Hebrew or uh, there's actually a, a W in the Greek, but it's not the same uh, as our W. And so there are very few words in, in the Bible that start with the letter W. But uh, we're going to look at two tonight. Actually, let's, you can keep your finger in uh, Luke chapter 1, but let's go to Acts chapter 9 first. Uh, we have one lady and one gentleman. How many know who Tabitha was in the Bible? She is Tabitha. She was fairly well known. Her other name may be Dorcas, but uh, being that we got uh, to the letter T, we wanted to spend just a little time, as the Bible gives us just a few verses, less than 10, Acts chapter 9, and uh, verse 36 is the story of Tabitha. Now there was at Joppa a certain disciple named Tabitha, which by interpretation is called Dorcas. This woman was full of good works and alms deeds which she did. And it came to pass in those days that she was sick and died, whom when they had washed, they laid her in an upper chamber. And forasmuch as Lydda was nigh to Joppa, and the disciples had heard that Peter was there, they sent unto him two men, desiring him that he would not delay to come to them. And Peter arose and went with them, and when he was come, they brought him into the upper chamber, and all the widows stood by him, weeping and showing the coats and garments which Dorcas made while she was with them. But Peter put them all forth, and kneeled down and prayed, and turning to the body, said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes, and when she saw Peter, she sat up. And he gave her his hand, and he lifted her up, and when she, he had called the saints and the widows presented her alive, and it was known throughout all Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. Now, that's all we know about this lady. Her name was Tabitha or Dorcas. Same name, just different languages. Her, her name means a doe, a female deer. And uh, the, the idea there is that she was gentle in her character and in her dealings as a female deer is gentle. Uh, we know very little except she was full of goods work, good works. And there's a great old English word in there, alms deeds. And uh, if you'll remember from our study on the Sermon on the Mount, alms are what you give to those who are in need. It is something that is given and an alms deed is a deed or something that is done for someone as a gift that cannot afford or cannot accomplish that thing on their own. So apparently Tabitha was not only uh, very industrious as we read there the widows were showing uh, their coats and their garments which Dorcas had made or Tabitha had made for them while she was alive. But she was visiting people and doing things. If they were sick and couldn't clean the house, guess what? 
She did it for them. That was an alms deed. If they needed supper cooked or something like that, I mean, this was a a busy lady, and this was someone who was, uh, I like how it introduces her to us there in the book of Acts. It said, a certain disciple. Now, we use the word discipleship often because we talk about wanting to follow in the teachings, the disciplines of the Lord Jesus Christ, and... Yet that's how this woman was known. Someone may say, well, why didn't they use the word Christian? Well, you have to get to Acts chapter 11 before that word was invented. Uh, This was still in the Jewish community, and they did not consider the Christians any different or much different from them, though they were persecuting them, and that had begun just the chapter, a couple of chapters before. But uh, the division was starting to be made, But she was a disciple. She was one who simply followed the teachings of Jesus. I'll tell you, if you want a testimony, if you want somebody to talk about you when you pass from this life into the next, that could be one of the greatest things that is said of a human being, that they were a disciple of Jesus Christ. And here was a lady who uh, exemplified this, but she, as all people will do, she got sick. And she died. It's interesting, the faith of those around her, they said, Peter's close. I mean, the Jewish way of burying, and they still hold this today, you you are normally buried on the day that you die. Uh, They do not have undertakers who prepare the body and have viewings and all of the things like uh, we have developed in our in our tradition here. You died. They washed the body. They wrapped it. They put it in the tomb, and you did your mourning by the tomb for the next several days. But it was not something that uh, you know was was done like like what we do today. But instead of burying her immediately, they went and they got Peter. And we have one of the greatest miracles in the book of Acts recorded here. Someone said, well, she really wasn't dead. She had just fainted. Um, It said she died. And I just believe the Bible. And I believe that God gave the ability here for Peter to bring her back from the dead. I remember the story Brother Clayton tells. He was traveling this was before i was working with him and he said we came saw a big tent meeting and brother clayton loves tents and we used to put them up at different places and and so he was walking around looking at the tent and he walked around the back and there under the platform in the back was a whole row of coffins and he looked and he said uh called one of the guys over. He said, what's all these coffins doing? Oh, he said, that's where the evangelist, and he gave his name, he's going to simulate the resurrection on the last night uh, of the the meeting. And he said, simulate nothing. That guy was playing a joke. Uh, He was putting people in there who pretended they were dead, and he would raise the dead at the end of the service and try to get people to believe that he had the power to do that. Um, never end up, never, there's no end of tricksters. 
trying to repeat what actually happened in the Word of God. That's why I love my Bible. Amen. You can believe everything the Bible says. But if it's on television, it's probably actors. Don't always believe it. But Tabitha had actually died and here and actually lived again. And here's one of the things that we can know that this was a miracle of God. When God does something, people don't put money in the offering plate. Some evangelist doesn't get a great name for himself. Look what it says here in verse 42. It says, And it was known throughout all Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. That's how you can know God does something. See, it doesn't say many believed about Peter. Many gave Peter praise. Many did things for Peter. It says, many believed in the Lord. When God does something, he always does it so that he brings attention and glory to himself. And that is the story of Tabitha. I imagine she was not extremely pleased having to leave heaven after being there for just a few hours. But she eventually would pass away for the last time and we'll be reunited there in heaven someday. But that's the story of Tabitha. She's a little better known than many of the people that we have dealt with. But uh, let's go to our next person. This is Luke chapter 1. How many have read the introduction to the book of Luke and wondered who Theophilus was? How many have ever even heard the name Theophilus? So that's how you pronounce that thing. Now, if you're Greek, you wouldn't be able to pronounce that very easily because that is a Greek word, and it simply means lover of God. And we look here, and someone says, well, who was Theophilus? Well, I'm going to give you a very scriptural answer. Nobody knows. Luke chapter 1, verse 3, let's just read it here. It seemed good to me also, having had a perfect understanding of all things from the very first, to write unto thee in order, most excellent Theophilus, that thou mightest know the certainty of those things wherein thou hast been instructed. Now Luke addresses the book of Luke and the book of Acts to Theophilus. And I'll tell you, my first thought on this was that Luke was writing the book to anyone who loves God, because that's what the word Theophilus means. But that's really not what the words say. He was addressing it to an individual, and here in the book of Luke, he uses a title for him. He calls him most excellent. Now, that title is only used one other place in the Bible. It's used of the Roman governor, Felix. Uh, it was a Roman title, a Latin title. It would have been, of course, the New Testament was written in Greek. But those words, most excellent, was a reference to someone that held a high political station. And being that Christianity, uh, as it is in the Bible, was persecuted. Paul was killed for no other purpose, no other reason than being a Christian. 
It would come in just a few years after the Bible was complete. Uh, uh, even before the Bible was complete, uh, Luke would have finished writing uh, the book of Acts at the very earliest during the reign of Nero. That's when Paul was killed. Now, the book of Acts is closes before Paul was killed. And so chances are that was written in the early times uh, of the reign of Nero before the Roman Empire began its horrible and diabolical persecution and murder of people who called themselves Christians. But it was not a popular thing at any time to be different than what you were supposed to be. Sounds like today, doesn't it? And apparently, this person was saved. It says, wherein thou hast been instructed. And Luke is writing to him to explain the things of the Bible. Now, that would tell us a few things about Theophilus. Number one, he was not a Hebrew or a Jewish person. If he had, Luke would not have had to write him a book explaining to him the life of Jesus. He could have asked a hundred people that he would have known and people that he would have met uh, in Judaism who could have told him everything that happened in the life of Jesus Christ. He was some high-ranking Roman official who had heard the gospel, had been saved, and changed his name. Now, interesting, I want us to look at the book of Isaiah here, Isaiah chapter 62, and there's just a couple of interesting little things here that the Bible gives us connections to this idea of a new name. Isaiah chapter 62. This is a prophecy to his people. Verse 1, it says, For Zion's sake will I not hold my peace, and for Jerusalem's sake I will not, arrest, will not rest until righteousness until the righteousness thereof go forth as brightness, and the salvation thereof as a lamp that burneth. And the Gentiles shall see thy righteousness, and all kings thy glory, and thou shalt be called by a new name, which the mouth of the Lord shall name. And thou shalt also be a crown of glory in the hand of the Lord, and a royal diadem in the hand of thy God. Now, this is a promise to the people of Israel that God's going to call them by a new name. And it's interesting that this Gentile governor, prince, or uh, uh, political official, as he may have been, he certainly was not named lover of God by his parents. Uh, we don't know what that was, but uh, as Luke wrote to him, he, told, he called him by that title both in Acts chapter 1, and in Luke chapter 1, and in Revelation chapter 2, and I believe it's verse 17, Jesus is making a promise to the churches. He said, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the hidden manna, and will give him a white stone, and in the stone a new name written, which no man knoweth, saving he that receiveth it. Now, maybe this man took this name to himself. 
Maybe the person who led him to the Lord said, boy, you have such a fervent love for Jesus. I'm just going to call you Theophilus. And he went on that way. Uh, there are many illustrations of that. Uh, if you come from an Italian family, you have to have at least three names to be allowed in the door. Uh, you got your name that's on your birth certificate. You got your nickname when you're good, and you got your nickname when you're bad. Uh, I mean, that's just the way it is. It's a sign of affection in the deaf community. As you get into the deaf community, they will give you a name, a sign name. And once they give you a sign name, that means you're now accepted and you're a part of who they are. My sign name is this, the letter P and the sign computer. Uh, because when John first came to the church, nobody knew sign language. And so we got the computer and we would open caption or type what was being said so that the deaf could read. And John and a, a couple of the other guys got together and said, we're going to call you Peter. And, and so, uh, but this is what Theophilus was. Whether he took the name himself or someone gave it to him, it means lover of God. What a name. Jesus has promised that he's going to give us a new name. Now, I wonder what that new name is going to be. Working one. Faithful. Slothful. Uh, those names reflect who you are and what you did in your service for Christ. And it's going to be God showing his affection to us as individuals. And that's where this man named Theophilus comes in. He was a figure that was important enough that Luke felt that under the guidance of the Holy Spirit, let's put it in its context, to explain to him the entire history of Jesus Christ from John the Baptist to the end of the first imprisonment of the Apostle Paul. This is the best history we have of the early church was the book of Luke and the book of Acts. And Luke includes and incorporates certain things. I mean, there are things that are in the book of Acts that are not anywhere else in the Bible. And uh, it's extremely important books. And I'll tell you, if 90% of the problems that we have in theology and understanding the Word of God today come from misunderstanding the things that Luke wrote about in the book of Acts you can solve about 90% of the theological issues of the day if you'll just understand the book of Acts the way that Mr. Luke wrote it. Uh, it's a wonderful, wonderful book, and he made that book, uh, inscribed them to this man named Theophilus. Now, when he addresses the book of Acts, just something to think about, we have no idea, he no longer calls him most excellent. He just calls him Theophilus. And it may have been that he had lost his position or station by the time the book of Acts is written because he doesn't use the same title twice. But I'll tell you, we need to be full of good works and alms deeds, Tabitha. And ever a lover of the Lord Jesus Christ, Theophilus. And all God's people said,
Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you tonight, and we ask that you would work in our hearts and in our minds. Lord, help us just to be faithful to you. Give us grace. In Jesus' name. And before we finish that prayer, we'll just...